Welcome to Diggin' the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and teacher trainer and founder of Space to Meditate. Well, hello again, John. Great to see you. As always. As always. Same as with always. you. Um, <laughs> you know, we do these podcasts, we, we, we come up with a topic and we're never sure what's going to happen, which makes well, it interesting. That's what a po- <laughs> that's all of what a podcast is, you know. That's true. I mean, when, I do my, when I do my videos uh, on YouTube, I mean, of course, I have the whole thing sort of, scripted. not scripted, but I have bullet points and I yeah. know what I'm going to say. Uh, and, you know, I thought if we're going to do a podcast, we want to do it differently, right? I mean, because otherwise it gets a little bit... It's true. You know. we couldn't constantly I, script it or yeah, even have the notes. I, I'm, I don't know if other podcasters do script their stuff or at least have notes or something, uh, or at least, you know, I, I don't know, but we don't. <laughs> we don't. I think it really depends. But, yeah, and uh, it makes like, it more spontaneous and sort yeah. of, I think, I think a little more fun. Uh, I think I most of the fun. political political podcasts, I don't think... You know, do that at all? It's just Probably nothing not. but it's just nothing but opinions. You know, and, and how long can I talk on this one topic? You know, yeah. Well, a lot. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of and sort of quote unquote entertainment out there for the podcasts are just opinions of one kind or another, and I don't uh, exclude us from that. I mean, you know, we have our own opinions, and indeed, that's going to be the topic of today's podcast: is sort that's of uh, right. views and how we relate to them and how we relate to our opinions, um, clinging to views, which I think is a really, really uh, fascinating and deep topic in Buddhist practice. And I think it's, you know, when I came to the practice, uh, I think one of the things that struck me as one of its sort of most, uh, one of its deepest and uh, most distinctive parts of the Dharma was this uh, spending time uh, considering how we hold to our own viewpoints and what we do with that. And, and I in particular remember go, going to your classes sometimes and, and having these discussions with you, and, and, and it was great. I, I think it really uh, it, it helped, uh, you know, set me on... Loosen you path. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, because I came from a very, you know, philosophical background, a lot of strong views held, uh, and uh, not, not to say that I don't still have some, but uh, I think it's... You know, I, at least I've been, at least I've seen the problem, <laughs> which I didn't before. <laughs> well, and it's also a question of what what our fixed views are on. You know, if we have fixed views on particular kind of coffee, for instance, that's right. that's relatively minor. That's relative, but it does get in the way of enjoying other kinds of coffee. You know, so we can look at it that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, if your if your view is I only like French roast or I only like you know a particular brewer of roaster of coffee, then, you know, we're going to get stuck, you know, because we won't try other other examples. Um, yeah, and one of the things that's interesting when it comes to that, what you're, what you're talking about now, is that they, they've done psychological experiments that show that if you get somebody to, to say something publicly, they then feel that they are sort of attached to that and that they can't let it go. In the sense that, I, I've forgotten the exact way they did the experiment, but I think that they just, you know, found some random claim. And they just had the person say it out loud, and then they, they asked them whether they believed it. And the people who were said it out loud sort of tended to believe it more than those who hadn't, you know, that kind of thing. I believe so, that. I mean, I, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, only, only because, like, when you, uh, 
And we, we do, in some of our training programs for MBSR, we, we do a lot of uh, free writing, basically, where you're just writing without thinking, so, so hmm. to speak. You're just kind of writing, writing. stream, like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when you read it, reading what you've written out loud mm. actually brings a different light onto it. <clears throat> and so, you know, I could imagine that if, if you're stating a view out loud, that that you would identify with it in a very different way than just, you know, having the view. Um, right. Or, well, if uh, you've written it and published it, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. that same kind of thing, yeah. you know, where it's been seen by other people and then you sort of feel like you're committed to it. Right. So, I mean, it's one thing to sort of, you know, prefer espresso. Right. Just, and it's another thing to say, you know, in a group of friends, you know, oh, I prefer, you know, and and we hear people do this all the time, you know, and I, I can't say I haven't done it myself, yeah. you know. Oh, espresso is much, or whatever, whatever it happens to be. I mean, you know. I, I think the, and, and I mean, the danger we see all the time as well, right? So, so you know, in, on a political level, you know, mm. people state a view and then other people hold to that view and they only have that view and refuse to li- listen to other views. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have Fox News, which has its audience, and that audience will never listen to another view. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it gets dangerous. And, and you know, we all talk into our own echo chambers. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the right? Yeah. We're yeah, all, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, what's really interesting is like this idea of at the very end of the uh, the Buddha's words on loving kindness, like the, the third to last line, I think, is by not holding two fixed views. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from sense desires, is not born again into this world. So, you know, we don't if, – if, if we allow ourselves to not hold to a fixed view, how does that open the world up to us? How does mm-hmm. that clarify our vision? Because we can easily see that by having a fixed view of ourselves – or of others, you know, we create a lot of suffering, either yeah. for ourselves or for the other, you know, right. and or both, mm-hmm. more than likely. And, you know, that's what we're talking about when it comes to, I think, not holding to fixed views. I mean, it's, it's, it's more the, the way we view, um, the way we hold to our idea of self, essentially, mm-hmm. right? I am always this way. I will always be this way. I can't possibly change. I've never right. been able to meditate, you know, yep. therefore I can't meditate. Yeah, That's we identify ourselves with our views in yeah. so many ways. Um, you know, that I am a person who believes this or who thinks that. Yeah. Uh, I am a person of this philosophical or religious or political persuasion. And, a, and, and all of these are views. Now, you know, I mean, there are, a lot of subtleties here because i mean the buddha himself had what we might term fixed views about certain things in the sense that you know he believed that there was a right way and a wrong way to live um that there were better and worse things to do that there were skillful and unskillful actions and all kinds of things you know uh that he that he said in many many suttas and so you know the 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 deeper i mean we have to understand i think is that that the the message that he's getting across to, he, uh, to us here is 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 uh, very profound and very subtle. He's not saying that, that necessarily there isn't a, a right and a wrong way to live, uh, or a better and a worse way, or a skillful and an unskillful way. But rather, it 
so much depends on how we hold that that opinion or that view. Do we identify with it in the sense that if somebody disagrees with us, we take it personally? You know, we consider it a personal assault on ourselves if somebody doesn't think what we think, if they're not Buddhist, if they don't think that meditation is a good idea, you know, whatever. Or do we not hold to these in the same way? Do we hold them with an open hand where we say, well, okay? Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I don't you know, agree, but okay. Yeah, and the, and the Buddha said, don't trust me, you know, try yourself. Right, and, exactly. You know, and, and his, somebody was reiterating for me the other day that, that Buddhism is, is always a sort of forward, forward-looking practice, right? Mm-hmm. That we may have acted with harm in the past, but that doesn't mean we're a bad person. Right. Though, <laughs> that could be a view that we hold on to. You know, I did this, therefore, mm-hmm. that's it. I'm just mm-hmm. a bad person because I did this. Right. And yet he would say, no, you know, yes, that was very unskillful. That was really bad, but I'm not going to hold to the view that you're a bad person because that happened. I'm going to hold to the view that, you know, because you're human, you know, there's an inherent goodness. You just haven't found it yet. And so, you know, opening right. up I mean, to that. I, I guess I would describe it a little differently. I would say that he wouldn't, he wouldn't say you'd hold to any view, hold to any view. Yeah. Using, right. I mean, with the word hold in, you know, capital letters you don't yeah. hold to the view but you the, the you know he has he has i mean the buddha certainly had beliefs you know oh yeah I mean, for sure he says them all the time and yeah. repeats them it's not yeah. like he's changing his, his his mind he would probably believe that the person who did this bad thing was most likely going to have uh bad karma because of it sure. probably going to suffer at some point in the future absolutely uh due to having done something wrong but that you know, in time, they would get over that. The, the karma would be expunged, and they would, yeah. you know, have a chance of, of yeah. doing something better. And and even having, even not having experienced the karma yet, there was still time to do something better. And you know, and 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 help uh, minimize whatever karmic baggage they might have gained in the past. So, you know, right. There's always things to do. So you know, what we're saying is that there's no. I mean, as the, as the Buddha illustrates if someone has acted in a particular way and we can hold to the view that they're therefore always going to act in that particular way or we can you know recognize that that was an unskillful act and that there's potential for change in mm-hmm. all of us <clears throat> and that doesn't mean the consequences of that act of course won't come forth in some other way and the potential is still there for the person to really change um mm-hmm. and you know and it's that's a really at the time anyway it's quite radical to think that way you know yeah. and and you know, it was also quite radical to you know just as long as we're back you know looking at 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 the buddha's actions um even holding to the view of caste in that system that was is still present in india <clears throat> you know he he let that view go, and and you know, um, I mean, he, not that he ever had that view, although he certainly grew up as an upper caste, you know, kshatriya. Yeah, and uh, and yet he he realized that that was just a fixed view. That you know, if he let it go, anything was possible. 
Right. Well, he tried to, in a certain sense, replace the view of caste with the view of ethics. Yeah. So, you know, what was the true Brahmin? The true Brahmin was not somebody who had the right parents, who were pure back, you know, seven generations or whatever, but rather the person who acted properly. Yeah. Uh, and who became enlightened eventually. You know, that was the sort of true Brahmin. Yeah. So, to sort of substitute a more skillful kind of view, you know, <laughs> view for, for one that was less skillful. Yeah. Circling back to this issue of, of change in how we behave or can behave, the famous story of Angulimala, of course. Right. The, Which we've, this, talked on, uh, we've touched on in a number of broadcasts. I think we've mentioned Podcasts, before, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, this, this mass murderer who uh, eventually became uh, a follower of the Buddha and eventually took on robes and uh, eventually became enlightened, as I recall. But mm -hmm. in any event, while he was far along the path, he was being tormented by people from the village because they, they didn't like him. I mean, they would throw things at him because he was a murderer. But, you know, and the Buddha said, you know, this is part of your karmic consequences yeah. of having yeah, yeah. done these things. Yeah. You have to just sort of, you know, put up with them, but but you can get past it, basically. Yeah. That story resonates so much. It's, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, then the, 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 the challenge for most of us, right, is that when those karmic seeds from our past unskillful karma, when those karmic seeds uh, blossom to continue that image, there's always the risk that we call back to our old, our old way of being because, you know, that's our, that's our habit, you right. know, and it's like, and, and there, you know, it's again, you know, in this case, kind of our inability to let go of a past way of being and the view that we can't let go <clears throat> or that we'll never be able to let go. And this, this is a real, it's, a, it's, a, it's an essential part of practice is this practice of letting go of views of who we are, mm -hmm. of who I am. And, um, <clears throat> When we, when, and it's, you know, if we, even in formal practice, as we sit and ask the question, <clears throat> what can I let go of? Can I let go of my view of this person? Can I let go of my view of, of my behavior? My own, you know, that I'm always, you know, that I always do this or, you know, it's just like, that's a real part of our investigation is, you know, what are we able to let go of? What views are we holding that are not helpful? Mm -hmm. um, are there any views that we can hold to that are helpful? Mm -hmm. um, and yet, you know, there is still the sense of clinging even to that. The clinging goes all the way down. It's, yeah. it's everything. Anything yeah. that you can conceptualize, you can cling to. Yeah. The most, you know, in a certain sense, most profound way that the Buddha described this is with uh, the, the simile of the raft, which is that all of the Dharma Right. It's just this raft to take us over to the other side yeah. of the yeah. river. And that, uh, you know, so the Dharma itself is something that we shouldn't shouldn't cling to. Now, we have to be careful with that mm -hmm. because as, as many teachers have said, you know, the Buddha said, didn't say, you know, said, said when once we get to the farther shore, we could dispense with the raft. We're not supposed to dispense with the raft while we're still in the river because then we're going <laughs> to drown. <laughs> so. Yeah. And we have to, we have to really know when we're on that farther shore. And, right. You know. So, I mean, we're not talking about sort <laughs> yeah. of, you know, just sort of disregarding the Dharma. I mean, that's sort of not the point. Uh, the point is that, you know, we shouldn't cling to it with an, e you know, ego identification with the, with the Dharma is really not helpful. And so, you know, take it as, as 
beneficial instructions which are good for us to follow and that will get us to a better place, but not, I mean, I think of all the sort of, I mean, and, and Buddhism has, I think, comparatively been free of warfare and all that kind of stuff, but <laughs> it still does have some issues, some baggage. Sadly. With people. Yeah. Yeah, sadly, people doing things in the name of, of Buddhism that they, that, you know, hurting other people in the name of Buddhism. And I get comments every so often about this when I write, when I do videos on that topic and you know i just got one the other day about somebody s saying how terrible the rohingya were and, and this kind of thing and because of something that happened in the 17th century you know that kind of thing you know yeah yeah um yeah. <laughs> uh the sort of identification of of us as buddhists or something like that and so we have to fight and you know that's part of it yeah uh, I mean, that's, and indeed, the, I mean, the Buddha did talk about just this very problem with with clinging, is that it, it can lead us to, you know, to the worst kinds of behavior. Uh, yeah, and that was even before the Crusades. <laughs> yeah. You know, that he said that. And, mm -hmm. um, yep. you know, but there's a prime example of clinging to a belief mm -hmm. as being the only belief that's, you know, it's true. And, of course, we see that all too often now in this country. Mm -hmm. um, or here's a perfect example. <laughs> it's going on in France right now. You know, with this uh, Macron's, you know, uh, changing the retirement age or the pension mm -hmm. age from mm -hmm. 62 to 64 and how the French are so tied to that. As a, and, and, you know, I understand that attitude. And yet, you know, it's two years. Things have changed, right? What happens if you let go of that attitude? And of course, he had a very strong view as well. So on both sides, mm -hmm. it's like two people having a really strong view, and nobody and and nobody's willing to compromise. Right. You know, that's where. That's why wars start. That's why revolutions start. That's why right holding to views uh, more openly and not clinging to them doesn't automatically tell you the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, in yeah. fact, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't tell you anything about the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, on any given political issue, it's not, uh, you know, you can't say, oh, well, you know, that means that this is the right one of the things. Um, but it's rather that that's a more helpful way to approach. But, you know, it's hard because yeah. you need that kind of openness on, on every side to allow a more, you know, reasoned discussion. Uh, I mean, the argument is always going to be, you know, the other people on that on the other side are, you know, clinging to their views. Of so, course, you know, yeah. I should cling to mine, which is, you know, and it's fascinating, isn't it? Because when you read those, you know, the, the discourses that often start with a student from another teacher coming to talk mm -hmm. to the Buddha, right? And right, mm -hmm. and the and the Buddha never says, "Oh, that's maybe he does occasionally say that's absurd." You know, he wouldn't he say, it. yeah, but but then he'll <laughs> then he'll go and say, "Well, why it's you know he'll he'll." He'll bring a, an argument in that that is, right. you know, mm -hmm. sort of saying why it's absurd, as opposed to just, mm -hmm. you know, and then the view, you know, of the other changes as well, mm -hmm. and it, and so that's just a way of using discourse, as it were, to point something out mm -hmm. uh, without disputing, without you know, saying that I'm right and you're wrong. It's just like okay. Well, look at this. Look at it this way. Mm -hmm. You know, what if it's yeah. this? You know, well, the uh, fame. Uh, I think famously, the in the um, 
Alagadupama Sutta, the Sutta on the Water Snake, uh, the Buddha does talk about how, you know, if I think we mentioned this before, but you know, if if somebody berates him, he doesn't take it personally, and if somebody praises him, he doesn't take it personally. Right. Uh, and that's that. That to me is the essence of not clinging to views. Yeah. It's not that you don't have opinions about things, because we have to have opinions about things. That's just yeah. life. Yeah. Or discernment. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Or discernment. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, discerning the right way to, you know, the, the skillful way to do things, that's that's wisdom. But rather, it's, it's the attitude that we hold that, you know, yeah. the attitude being, do I take it personally if somebody disagrees and berates me because of my beliefs? And I think the ideal position is not to be, you know, just to be able to, it's like water off a duck's back, as they say, you know, just, you know, okay, you yeah. agree with me, you know, because that's the more skillful way to approach this problem, these problems. Yeah. And um, it's hard, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's also, you know, this is, comes back to the discussion we had last time around equanimity, you mm, know, that's exactly, being yeah. equanimous, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, I'm not holding to a fixed view of myself. Therefore, of of this being, therefore, you know, if somebody berates me, I don't take it personally because yeah. I haven't held to that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that really leads to this quality of, of evenness. Mm -hmm. Equanimity with praise or blame. Yeah, which mm -hmm. takes so much practice. You Ugh, know. Yeah. And it's really interesting to sort of feel it either way. Either mm -hmm. the praise or the blame, you know, you can sort of, you know, so you yeah. feel you're puffed up by the, by the praise and, and punched in the stomach by the blame. Yeah. Or, or just letting it flow through, you know, so it just, there's no, there's no self to hold on to it. It just passes through. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's a really interesting place to be and to see it in yourself when it happens and see it in others as well. And that's why I love in, in a class having a real skeptic, you know, mm. who's just constantly prodding you to sort of disagree with you or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. or, and it's like, oh, okay, we'll try this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's that, a role. I mean, the, the, the question for me always, you know, when it comes to like comments on, on my YouTube videos uh, is that the, the, the difference, and I think there is a key difference between being a, a skeptic and being a troll. Ah, yes. Well, I'm not used to trolls, so. Yeah, well, online, <clears throat> yeah, you I'm run sure. into them. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, the, as long as somebody is a, a an honest skeptic, I don't have any problem with it. In fact, I myself consider myself to be an <laughs> honest skeptic uh, yeah. about many things. And I hold skepticism in general in very high regard because I think it's useful. Uh, I think it's skillful to be skeptical about many, many things that we hear. <laughs> without going too far, you know, yeah, of that's course. the troll part. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because, I mean, if maybe you've, because you've had them, maybe you've, I don't know if you've ever confronted one of your trolls or if you just ignore them. Uh, when I started out many years ago uh, administering a, in fact, a forum of skeptics <laughs> and secularists many, many years ago, uh, when I was more of a skeptic than I am now, more thoroughly, I should say, a skeptic <laughs> than I am now. I did try to reason with trolls uh, and found that the advice of don't feed a troll is is that's, is true wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> That's a very wise advice because yeah. uh, there are certain people who 
just get off on on being nasty. Um, and they're not there to learn something. Right. They're there just to, and in fact, nowadays, a lot of it, I think, is probably bots, you know, and so it's not even a person right. there, uh, anymore. Right. But back in the day, they were people, I think, but just people who, you know, were of a certain sort of persuasion, at least while they were online. Uh, and it just, it just become a waste of time. You know, you spent 90% of your time dealing with two trolls and you <laughs> sort of realize, yeah, it's just better to ban them and yeah. move on. And then life got easier. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. There's there's enough honest skeptics out there that you know really are worth your time. Right. Uh, they may not agree with you, but yeah. at least you have a good argue, you have a good argument or good discussion, and maybe you learn something. I mean, I learned something from having discussions with some yeah. you know some people yeah. that I disagreed with. There's enough time for that that you know you don't need to put your time into other. I think. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of which, I mean, you know, if 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 you disagree with anything we've said, please. Sure. Be skeptical and, and be a skeptic mm -hmm. and, and, you know, let us know. We're, we love hearing that. And, and just going back to the one of the views we were talking about before on coffee, you know, we also love coffee and, and uh, we're, you know, we're definitely have our views about coffee. I wouldn't say that they're causing any great suffering. Um, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I was in the hospital and they served coffee, I, I couldn't drink it. But that's just, you know. Doesn't a momentary it taste yeah. good or yeah it was like as as my partner would say sock water but See, that's um, the thing i yeah. grew up with american coffee <laughs> right it was very that was very light and this is one of the ways that i changed you know yeah it is possible no, that opinions change you yes. know and my wife likes uh sort of more european darker stronger coffee yeah. and so i've sort of learned to like that yeah and, and even then of course the, the quality of coffee has changed over the years just in general what's available and that's yeah. impacted all of our views on coffee and mm -hmm. it's now a big thing and and we love coffee so please go to our Dharma dot, uh, dig in the Dharma dot com and you have the opportunity to buy us coffee, have the opportunity to leave us a um, skeptical comment or, or <laughs> if you prefer, yeah. uh, you know, no trolls, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> unless you want to buy us a lot of coffee, then you can be a <laughs> troll for a while. Um, but uh, we, yeah, but we'd love to hear from you. And um, Doug, until next time. Great to talk with you as always. Enjoy your coffee and uh, to be <laughs> continued. Okay. Take care, friends. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your podcast directory. And please check us out at digginthedharma.com where you can leave a comment, buy us a coffee, and even become a member. You can find out more about me, John Aaron, at johnaaron.net and Doug at dougsdharma.com.